Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Hybrid Unlimited. This is me, Steffi Cohen. And Hayden Bo. And today we're by ourselves, just having a silly goose time, talking to each other about an unlimited amount of topics, because that's what we do here at Hybrid Unlimited. That's why it's in the name. Exactly. Uh, but no, today we talk mainly about uh, cringy tattoos yep. and nice tattoos, like the one I just got. It's a dope tattoo. It is. It's pretty cool. Talk about boxing. Talk about powerlifting. And talk about how every strength sport athlete thinks they've figured it out. But they didn't really. <laughs> With a technique really. tweak, and then you realize the next session that you figured out nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The endless cycle of uh, pain and gain of a strength athlete. Yeah. Powerlifting is a, a marathon of pain, we've determined. It's a pain-a-thon. That's what yeah, I said. A That's a really good term. Did I just coin that? I don't know. I think I did. Um... What else we talk about? Yeah, oh, your gonna, fight, your fight that's coming up, the yeah. hybrid showdown. We have a few new details for you guys on that as well. Uh-huh. Um, we're going to tell you where you can buy tickets to Steffi's fight or where you can get the pay-per-view if you can't travel to Jacksonville, Florida to watch it. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, as always, make sure you screenshot this episode while you're listening. Uh, tag me, tag Hybrid Unlimited, tag Steffi. You'll automatically be entered into a draw to potentially win some gear from Hybrid Legacy brand, which is our official apparel line. Uh, super easy way to do it, and we choose winners every month. This episode is brought to you by Stay Classy Meats. Stay Classy Meats curates quality specialty meat from small batch ranchers and processors across the Northern Rockies. Check them out at stayclassymeats.com and use code HYBRID in all caps to get 10% off. This podcast episode is also brought to you by Beam. Beam is committed to producing high-quality, natural, innovative wellness products trusted by some of the world's top professional athletes. Beam creates products to support four main categories, balance, performance, recovery, and sleep. These products are combined of both CBD and non-CBD ingredients. By tapping into how we function biologically, CBD can work to regulate pain, mood, appetite, anxiety, and inflammation. As a Hybrid Unlimited listener, you get 15% off your order with code HYBRID in all caps. So check them out. That's BEAM and use code HYBRID in all caps for 15% off. Yep. Thank you guys for your support. I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. And that is all. Sit back. Enjoy. Nick, is your full name Nicholas? Nicholas Anthony Tracana. Damn, that's a solid name. Fucking solid. Do the people it know about sure Nick? Is. I mean, people should know about Nick. This is new Nick, actually. We had an old Nick. Didn't work out. We got a new Nick now. Who is Nick? Because now we forgot about old Nick, and now <laughs> Nick is the only Nick. Now, yeah, now, well, the I mean, Nick. I'm going to start calling him the Nick with capital T-H-E. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Young kid. Hungry to learn. So young. Youngest guy around. Also, yo, check him out on uh, Instagram because he raps. He raps. He's he's a he's a he's a white guy. So he's he's like who, he's who like Eminem, like? dude. Eminem or Mac Miller? He's like a mix of Eminem and Mac Miller, and Britney Spears. M Miller. What? Mostly. And Britney Spears. <laughs> <laughs> but for real, he's talented. That was our first. Uh, how I got introduced, at least to Nick, was Steffi. I sent you the video. Yeah, you're like I just met this guy. I think I think he'd be a really good fit. And then he, she sent me your music video. And uh, immediately turned it off because I hated it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be here if that was the case. But yeah, uh, super cool. Super cool. Nick and I are going to uh, make a 
uh, music video. You're actually going to do that, sing. right? Yeah, I'm going to sing. Can I be your like your no. rap video hoe? No. Come on. You need some ass in the video. First impasse, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, you just got a tattoo. Yeah. On your, my hand. On your hand. Because I'm a G. <laughs> That's a bold move. Okay, let's talk about how you almost made me change my mind about it. No, no, no. hold on. That I was so annoying. I didn't almost make you change your mind. You what did I did almost make me change my mind. Was I asked, almost? I asked you the keyword. question. I asked you the question. What question did that you needs ask me? to be asked? Which is? Well, you had told me in the past that you, you at some point, when you have a little bit uh, more free time, would like to do, uh, maybe be a, a professor, teach a class or something at a university, or whatever. Right? Those are pretty traditional institutions. So if you're going to get a hand tattoo. That could be challenging for you. I know, but I think I think I'm at a point where I've earned the right to have a hand tattoo. Agreed. And also stand uh, in front of an, a classroom. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. All I was doing was being devil's advocate and saying, "Does the how do you feel about this?" Because if you hadn't thought about that, and then you get the tattoo, and then you go home and you think about it on your own, and you have a moment of panic. I just want to do it for you to avoid that. If that's being devil's advocate, what's being God's advocate? God's advocate? Yeah. Why are you putting me on the spot? I mean, I'm not I'm not a big... Uh, Have you ever heard anybody say, God's well, advocate? if I'm being God's advocate? I, I think that <laughs> maybe one and the same. Because huh? you, if you say you're being God's advocate, yeah, right? When you're being devil's advocate... But when you're devil's advocate, you're essentially like uh, highlighting the negatives. You're you're asking the annoying question that has to be asked. So the so being God's advocate means that you're highlighting the positives. Maybe. Like, well, have you ever thought about how cool you're gonna look with that horse tattoo on your hand? No, but wouldn't you ever thought about all the opportunities you might get? You might become a hand model with all those sick tats. You might honestly, you might get famous on the hashtag tatted up bad girls. <laughs> I think you could <laughs> if you posted pictures of your tats. To be honest, yeah, you got some might. cool ones now. But I know, I think if you're going to be God's advocate, whatever that means, I think it would be the same. Because God would ask the, the tough questions if he's a thing. I'm not, you know, not saying what he is or isn't. But isn't that the Why same? is God a he? I don't know. <laughs> you ever seen that uh, Family Guy episode where they're like, <laughs> yeah. oh, well, if, if God created all of this, who created God? And then <laughs> like Quagmire or someone's like, well, what if he created himself? And then Peter goes... Or herself. And then they all go, oh. <laughs> uh, so good. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I appreciate you asking those questions. Definitely. It was worth thinking about it. But I was pretty set on the idea of getting it, to be honest with you. Um, and I think also you're right. Like, at a certain point, the more notoriety and the more expertise you have and the more, you know, people acknowledge you, the more crazy things you can get away with. You know, there is a point where you can have a face tattoo and be a motivational speaker. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, that means what to you? Because for people who ca who can't see it, it's uh, a horse, a really like a a realism horse. Yeah, it's like a, a horse that's running. It's jacked, and and he's running through branches. Uh huh. Um, and then there's a word that says create and then my birth year and then some like cutesy thingies around it. Why the horse? The horse, because, you know, I once 
a, a while ago was asked the question about the classic question during an interview or a podcast or something about um, what animal do I identify myself with the most? And I think, oh, maybe it wasn't a podcast, but we were in a group or something. And obviously, like, the the most common answers are, like, a wolf, a tiger, bear. a bear, yeah, a panther, whatever. And I was thinking, I really don't identify myself with any of those animals. Um, and then, was it, did you tell me a story about the workhorse? I did, horse? yeah. Yeah, so, so tell the, the story about the workhorse. Well, basically, uh, what horses are kind of like, everyone's heard the term workhorse, but why workhorses are workhorses is because they have like this unbreakable will and they'll if you're somebody who's using a horse for work you have to be careful to not overwork the horse because the horse will literally work until it dies of exhaustion mm -hmm. and i'm sure everybody's seen those old cowboy movies you know they're running the horse across the desert and the horse just collapses and dies like it'll literally do that before it quits which is which i thought was just very similar to you yeah a hundred percent because your whole thing has always been like, nobody will ever outwork you. Mm -hmm. And it's true. So exactly. that was cool when you were thinking of like what to put there. Because you're right. And not a lot of people have horse tattoos. Mm -hmm. When you were looking them up, could you find a bunch? Or was it hard to find? Uh, like you type wolf tattoo. Yeah. No, I mean, it wasn't It wasn't that common. I didn't even search for horse tattoos. I just searched for like ho horse images. Images. Because this guy is so good at realism. Like he can take even like an actual. This was an actual picture of a horse. Yeah. So. Yo, he's sick and he's working with such cool people now. I saw he just, he just did Takashi's tattoo yesterday or I the know. day before. Yeah. He did one for Sugar Sean O'Malley. Yeah, for Jake Ball. Jake Ball has a bunch by him. Tattoo, yeah. yeah. Panda. Yeah, Tattoo Panda. Yeah. Super cool. Um, and I'm going to try, I wanted to get a sleeve done by him, but he said it. It's too much ink. He does like mainly like smaller pieces. Yeah. He's like, it'll take me like nine hours to do one that covers half your bicep. Yeah. So it doesn't make sense. Yeah. I, I honestly thought that he that he worked pretty fast. Yeah. Like this was like two hours, the flowers. The not the flowers, the branches. The olive he branches. has like a, a very um artist approach to it though, eh? Like they sit and they talk and they do a little tattooing and then they talk and then and then someone comes in, he has a meeting and yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know? Like the first time you were there, the horse was what, would you say? Total work. Three time. hours. Three hours. You're but I was there for like, like six. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, true. Yeah, because I remember I came I left and I came back because I had to go pick up the car. Yeah. Come back like an hour and a half later. And I was still there. Yeah, no, not much changed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he, he's pretty cool. It's interesting. I, I told Panda that he ruined me because <laughs> I had never gotten an expensive tattoo before. Like all my all the smaller pieces that I have are like you know, stuff that we get on a whim, like on a trip or something like that, you uh -huh. know, kind of like as a souvenir, as a timestamp for the place that we're in. Uh, and I, I guess I'd never seen the contrast between a thousand dollar tattoo and a hundred dollar tattoo. And now that I see them side to side, like even just simple things like words or letters, just the difference is insane. Yeah. Well, because it's all supply and demand, right? Like the cost of that tattoo, it costs what it costs because of the demand there is on his time. Right. And because there's so much demand, because he's so good, it drives the price up. So it's like, that's why you, no, you but, pay for an expensive tattoo. But it's because, yeah, but it's because of the skill that he has. Like, that's what I'm saying. But yeah, how that's what fine the and demand. precise his lines are is just insane. It really is. With the words, is the most clear. Like, I'll show you guys after, like, the difference between this one right here. That's mm -hmm. the word. And then the create word on the other one. Was that, did you throw one in Israel or Portugal? 
Israel. Yeah, Portugal, I got life reps. Yeah, same. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. I like doing that, but it's also cool to have. Yeah, like really those nice. Super high level ones. Yeah. What's um, the worst tattoo you've seen? The worst tattoo I've seen, like in person? Yeah. Or like it could be on the internet? Uh, both. Actually, uh, maybe not just in general, because what if you say somebody who like goes to our gym or something? Then they probably know that that's one of the worst tattoos that everybody has seen. All right, so give you me know? both. It's give almost like a point of pride. Okay, <laughs> here's the thing. The worst tattoo I've seen, yeah, was one guy from uh, that I went to college with. And he had like a big word written here on his wrist. Uh-huh. And he got it in like in Thailand, in like the native language. And he wanted it to say like warrior or something like that. <laughs> and... He got it done, whatever, and then a few years later, he not, not a lot of people speak that native language, and somebody who did saw it, and he and he reads it for him and goes, why'd you get tattooed man whore on your wrist? <laughs> and he's like, what? I thought it said warrior, and he's like, nah, that says man whore. That like, he just amazing. totally fucked him. You know what? If you're a good sport, that is actually a funny story. It is. Especially because it's not like... Uh, like a language like French where you can, you're going to run into some people who are going to be like, what the fuck? I'll tell yeah. you what. So I have, I have a tattoo in Sanskrit that I got in Nepal, like at a random freaking tattoo place over there. And I wanted it to say, be like water. That's phrased by Bruce Lee. And, uh, I've met a few people who are like Indian or Nepali who maybe don't speak the language fluently because Sanskrit is again, is an old, an ancient language. Mm -hmm. But when they see it, like this is the face they make. So I'm not even sure, you know, they, they seem very, <laughs> the face they make is one of confusion and disgust. So next time personally, someone does I'm that, not even ask them, don't tell them what it's supposed to say. Just say, what does this say? Cause yeah. have, what, what do you do when you see someone look at it like that? You didn't ask. What do I do? I go, I don't know. I you, guess you try to get ahead of it and tell them what it's supposed to say so that they don't burst my bubble. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. I think it's been a self, uh, a self-defense mechanism. Damn. Dude, the scariest one I got was when we were in Japan. Remember that? And the guy, like, he didn't speak English at all. We're trying to explain what we what I wanted. And he's drawing things that are completely not what I wanted. We had to get this guy on the phone who was, like, his friend who sort of spoke English. And he's, like, translating for us what it is. It was scary. It was actually such a scary experience. I was sweating when he was doing it. I didn't even want to look just to until it was done to see what the damage was. And then it ended up being fine, but it scared Steph so much that she ended up not getting a tattoo there. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think that he was really understanding what we wanted. Yeah, no. But you were, like, drawing shit out. and Yeah, we should do some sort of challenge, like, within the hybrid peeps. Mm -hmm. Where, like, the loser gets something ridiculous tattooed. Like what Woodley and Jake Paul are doing? The like, if, if Jake Paul wins, Woodley has to get I Love Jake Paul tattooed on him. And vice versa. No, no, but I don't want that. Like, I want to come up with a design that's ridiculous. Like, um, what's the one that you always mention for some um, reason? A cactus in the shape of a penis. Okay. Okay. Interesting. All right. Makes you know, sense. we also have to get that championship belt made. Caesar keeps reminding me of that. Oh, I ordered one off Amazon. And? I forgot. Uh, I don't know. It said it was customizable, and then I bought it, and then it said arriving in a week. 
But you didn't customize. <laughs> I didn't customize anything. Yeah, so. because you were supposed to put it in the notes or like message the the seller. That's no, how you're supposed to do it. That's not good customer service. I feel like they should message me. Okay, that's not how it works. No. You gotta go message the seller, and then that's how you get your customization. Okay, so what was what was the um the worst tattoo you've just seen? Period. I just told you. No, that was one in person that you knew. You said you were gonna do both. Oh, that I've seen. Because that one's kind of funny. That one's not like terrible. Bro, do you not follow the page? Um, fuck, what's the page? Worst tattoos. I think it's the page, right? I don't know. No, it's not called. There's a, there's a few. It has a clever name. I don't remember what it was, but yeah, it's a page that has like just all the worst tattoos that have ever existed, and it's painful to watch. Seriously, like that one of um a fat guy that has a huge like beer belly. And has a a cat facing backwards with the anus on the on the uh, belly, button. belly button. Yeah, that you one's. You seen that one? That one's so gross. It's so nasty. And it actually looks like exactly accurate. like a butt. Very realistic. So that's pretty disturbing. Well, what's going on through that guy's mind? Maybe he lost the bet at his company. Bro, but that's <laughs> a big one. Like it's a massive cat. Yeah, it's huge. That was probably an expensive tattoo. It's a it's a it's realism and it's well done. Pretty gross. What else? What's the worst placement? Worst placement for a tattoo? Uh huh. I think like, um, like on top of the eyebrow. It's pretty bad. Yeah. What about um tramp stamp? Pretty bad. What's what's another one? Kneecap. Kneecap only. Yeah. Pretty bad. If it's not part of a of a leg sleeve, then it's then it can't be there. Also, just like random big ones on the quad. Yeah, I don't, I don't like, like that. Like if it's just a quad tattoo, it yeah. looks like a weird sticker. Yeah, yeah. That I feel like that needs to be incorporated into something, you know? Are you going to get a tattoo on this next trip? Maybe. You're going to the UK? Yeah, maybe. That's a, it's Honestly, it's a pretty uh, historic historical trip for me. First time going... Um, out of the country with with my coach with my team no second time oh i guess yeah i went to the dr <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, but this is a much bigger but this trip. is yeah this yeah. is like legit you know there's two of my teammates uh yildrim and sukan who are going for uh world championship titles so it's going to be a pretty massive fight they're fighting uh, uh in the golden boy yeah the golden uh, boy promotions and uh we're staying at like a castle or something isn't it isn't it the zone? Yeah, the zone mansion, castle, whatever the hell. Wow, what does that yeah. even mean? I don't know, but I'm so excited. I'm jelly. You're, you're ditching me for a week. Yeah. Maybe I'll go on an even cooler trip. I'll plan one with Nick. But yeah, so what's your what's your uh, like goal for that trip? Um, honestly, I and and I think this is something that I've done a really good job at, including like in just fitness, powerlifting, lifting. I'm everywhere. You know, I, I really, I, I want to make sure that, that I make myself memorable, you know, and, um, that entails like being present at events, introducing myself to people, you know, if, if I can meet like the president of the zone or, or the, or whoever is in charge of like golden gloves promotions, golden like boy. golden, what did they say? Golden, golden gloves. gloves. That's golden, the amateur tournament. Yeah. Golden boy promotions. Like just introducing myself, making sure that they know my name. They know who I am, you know, for the future. Um, so, yeah, that's the goal, really, to just 
just be there, make myself known and, and network, meet a lot of, meet the most amount of people that I can. That's cool. It's, it's cool that you're, I feel like you're in a position now, the same way we were with powerlifting when we were starting out, where there's so many people to meet that you haven't met yet. Mm-hmm. Like now in powerlifting, it's like, we know everybody, everybody knows us. Yeah. You know, so it's not, we, we, we've kind of like run out of those novel situations of like, wow, wasn't it so cool that we met Dan Green for the first time? <laughs> yeah. Or wasn't it so cool that we, when we walked into that uh, random gym, Lance's gym, Ed Cohn's sitting there with a python? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like just all those crazy experiences. Now you and also me vicariously through you get to kind of like have those, uh, those sort of exciting interactions and, and meetings again. Yeah, for sure. Is there anybody you want your... Hope, or do you know who's going to be on that card? Is there anybody like? No, I actually. To see? No, I actually haven't haven't really looked into it, but I'm interested in meeting everybody. You're gonna have floor seats. Um, probably yeah. And Kareem is cornering, right? Yeah. That's so cool for him. Yeah, that's gonna be his his coaching debut. Anna, actually, I think he's cornering Paige too this weekend. That's so sick for him. We should have him on the podcast and uh, have him talk about his whole. Yeah, like, man. There's honestly, this. I cannot think of anybody more deserving of of an opportunity like this than Kareem. Like, he really is a, a lifelong student of of the game. Mm-hmm. He breathes and lives and sweats and bleeds boxing. It's all he does. It's all he thinks about. He coaches like eight hours a day and loves it. Like with a great attitude, you know, wakes up at five in the morning. His first client is at six and then he doesn't stop until eight. And you can tell that he's like, just genuinely enjoys it. Like he's happy to be there and like continue perfecting his craft as a coach. It's, it's really, it's really amazing. It really is. He just, you know, initially when I started uh, training with Kareem, there were a lot of people that were doubting his abilities as a coach and saying that he hasn't taken anybody to the highest level that, you know, he, 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 whatever he hasn't developed any 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 athletes or whatnot and my response to something like that is it's really not necessarily or it's not necessarily about the coach's ability to coach what determines or sorry it's not necessarily about the results that a coach can produce all the time that determines his abilities as a coach Mm -hmm. because there is a uh, there's a, a big portion that's like lock in opportunity, you know, like you're who's walking through your doorstep, you know, do you have talent walking through your do- doorstep and at what frequency, right? Because even you, you can encounter talent, you can encounter somebody that has potential, but doesn't have um, discipline, you know, somebody who mm-hmm. as soon as it gets tough, they quit. So you're going to have to, you, you need another person, right? And in order to keep that going and find someone to to actually invest your time and energy and take them to the highest level there's so many little pieces that need to align and it's really difficult especially if you don't have your own gym for example Mm -hmm. you know you don't have you don't have that turnaround or turnover of like people coming in and out and like trying you as a coach and you trying them as athletes it's really hard so it's it's also tough i think like you look at a guy like uh kareem who who hadn't taken like anybody into a big fight in a big promotion or anything like that right you can be the most talented coach in the world but what usually happens is a coach like Kareem will start developing someone and then as soon as they start getting good some big name popular coach will come in and And be like hey why don't you come train at my facility with all my dope high level athletes and then the 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 other coaches get screwed. So yeah. you know, not only I, you, do you, you know who I saw that with was Camilo. Camilo like was all a the perfect time. Example, with Leo dude. Hernandez, remember? And with everyone. Yeah. 
with like, you, you, you stuck with him, but he, people were trying to poach you from him all the time. All the time. All the time. So, yeah, I mean. but that, And that's another part of luck, too. It's not even just the athletes that walk through your door. It's um, being in a position that allows you to go from that sort of level of coach to the type of coach that can start bringing in athletes exactly. like at a high level, you know? And it's cool now because I think that's where Kareem's at. Yeah. Now he's going to he's gonna be coaching Paige for her fight. He's going to be in the corner for Yildrim and um, mm-hmm. Sukan. Mm-hmm. Like, those are big big events with a lot of eyeballs and it's like dude he's he's recognition he's such an amazing coach he's honestly he's one of the best coaches i've ever had because people don't understand like it's not only the the ability to produce results like the amount of results there's so many other aspects that make somebody a good coach you know like just his ability to like understand what you need that day just empathizing, sympathizing with how you feel as a person and what you can and can't do that session, how to keep you motivated, how to keep you engaged, you know, how to um, find ways to teach you things that you can't, that you haven't been able to understand in different ways, you know? Yeah. Coming up with like entertaining drills, like it's all part of coaching, you know, that that makes a massive difference in the long run. Yeah, I remember also, I remember... um someone criticizing cream early on for not teaching you X, Y, or Z. And it had you like questioning things, you know, like, well, what is the like coaching process that he's going through? I don't really understand it, whatever. And, um, and you didn't understand why you were doing certain things. And then later it came out that he was actually correct in what he was doing in, he didn't want, he, you can't just overwhelm somebody with everything, right? No. You, you have to teach them certain things at the right time. It's like if you watch somebody do a clean and jerk for the first time and you and you just try to correct all of the things. Yeah, it's like, the, the sequence of his coaching made a, made a lot of sense in hindsight. Right. At the time being, obviously, I didn't know even enough about boxing to even realize that it was correct. But yeah, so one of the biggest criticisms was during my sparring, you know, how at the beginning when I first started, all I knew how to do was be on the outside because that's technically the easiest thing right like evading punches right like being outside of the person's range like that's it and it's not easy but it's relatively easy compared to it's a a concept that's easy to get wrap your head around right compared to um learning how to how to find your range with a jab or compared to fighting in mid-range where like you're at their striking distance too or fighting close range where you're like right next to the, the freaking punch you know so it made sense that for the beginning of the of, of of an athlete's development you're learning kind of like the you know you're going from the periphery to the inside of the ring like that's kind of how i see it uh-huh. so you first learn how to walk the ring like that's involved in that how do you walk the ring how do you uh step laterally how do you get out of the way when they're pressuring you what are some of the most basic defense, like the double defense, just like putting your hands on your forehead and just staying really tight, not moving. Those are the basic things that that are relatively easy to implement. Uh, and they're, they're important, uh, important to have as a baseline. And then from there you build. Okay, now you know how to get, how to, uh, get out of the way. Now you go, know how to walk the ring. Now you're just going to work on your straight punches. Mm-hmm. Right. Not even worry about angles, not even worry about body shots, not even worry about hooks. Like learn how to land a solid one too. Karim always said the rice, rice and beans. beans. Yeah. So learn how to land your jab, learn how yeah. to ra- land your cross. And it's not easy. It's not easy. 
You know, that for somebody who just started boxing, that wasn't easy to land a jab and land a cross without getting hit right after. This episode is brought to you by Stay Classy Meats. Stay Classy Meats curates quality specialty meat from small batch ranchers and processors across the Northern Rockies. They are an athlete-focused meat company. Uh, Always, never, ever, no hormones, no antibiotics. They source from ranchers who are for the animals to free-range graze in low-stress environments on nutrient-rich regenerative grass. Montana is known for having very productive farmland and the nutrient-rich grass consumed by the animals is passed on to us. They cater to athletes who require the best quality products to put in their bodies. Nutrition is the base of our existence. The better the quality of the inputs, the less stressed out our bodies will be, and the more efficient they will run. Quality, convenience, small batch, that's Stay Classy Meats. Check them out at stayclassymeats.com and use code HYBRID in all caps to get 10% off. This podcast episode is also brought to you by Beam. Beam is committed to producing high quality, natural, innovative wellness products trusted by some of the world's top professional athletes. Beam creates products to support four main categories, balance, performance, recovery, and sleep. These products are combined of both CBD and non-CBD ingredients. By tapping into how we function biologically, CBD can work to regulate pain, mood, appetite, anxiety, and inflammation. As a Hybrid Unlimited listener, you get 15% off your order with code HYBRID in all caps. So check them out. That's BEAM and use code HYBRID in all caps for 15% yeah. off. So then, okay, then you're you're learning how to kind of get in and out, in and out. You land a jab, you get out of the way. You land a one-two, you get out of the way. Then from there, you start learning how to fight mid-range. Okay, now I'm now I'm, I'm already good with straight punches and two-punch combinations. Now I'm going to try to land... Um, mid-range punches like a like a hook mm. or a body shot like a far far body shot without getting hit so then you go one two a uh, hook or one two body shot boom get out of the way roll out or something like that and you can see how like it increases in complexity and in skill right like you now you have to have reflex now you have to have speed now you have to have um, more ring iq and strategy footwork. you know footwork yeah so it did make a lot of sense. You know, people criticized, oh, you still don't know how to do this. You still don't know how to do that. But everything comes at it at the right time. Mm-hmm. And there are some things really with boxing that you just can't, uh, you can't force the speed at which you learn it. Like some things are just, you just learn through, through practice and repetition. It's not even through s- instruction. Well, yeah, you can, you well, can get instruction. You can get the best instruction. I have gotten the best instruction. I've got, I've been coached, I've been coached by some of the best coaches in the world mm-hmm. and I still don't master certain things. So it's not about the instruction. It's about, I need to f- figure out a way to actually do that and, yeah. and practice it and make, and make those movements automatic. Essentially. That's the thing, making it automatic, right? Cause if you're in the ring and you're thinking it's already too late, right? You need to be able to basically be like a robot. You can let Riley in, but you just need to be like a robot, right? Like your corner is going to be yelling punch numbers to you. Right. And you just have to hear one whoop and know what yeah. that is. Right. You can't be like one. Oh, I remember when we did the drill and then meanwhile, your head's going ding, ding, ding. Yeah, but yeah, but that's why <laughs> drilling is so important because, you know, during a camp, essentially you work on, on a finite, finite amount of drills or number of drills that become just your combinations, like based on what your strengths are. And based, obviously, on, like, what would be effective against no. whatever opponent? No. You really wor- worry about yourself. Interesting. Yeah. The the thing about the opponent is 
you just, I guess you just have to be mindful of what their strengths are, but you don't plan, you don't necessarily plan combinations based on like them. You okay. just plan your strategy around it. Like if it's a person who is known for picking it up on the last few rounds, then you know that like you can't go, if you're going to burn out at the beginning, you better get a knockout in the first three rounds or two rounds, whatever. Right? right. So it's strategy rather than like actual punching combinations. But yeah, you just drill those combinations over and over and over again, where like you just know when to use them. It's kind of like a, like the way I think about it, it's kind of like, um, like an algorithm, like an if this, then that kind of thing. That's how I think about it. If you get, if you get a body shot on the right, you throw your, your uppercut on the right. You know, if you get thrown a hook, you roll and throw your hook or stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense to me. And that's, um, I, I think the way that you said it once that I loved was like, I felt my brain click save. Yeah. When, uh, what was it? That was like a body shot to uppercut. Yeah. You're defending the body shot followed by an uppercut. Yeah. I was like, huh, that's such a cool way to put it. Uh, and it, it makes sense because I can recall, not not through boxing, but through other sports, weightlifting, For even weight, hockey. Weightlifting, even hockey, was... it's like you see uh, the goalie does a certain move and, you know, he accidentally tells where he thinks you're going to shoot and then you can adjust, right? But you do practice that enough and you take enough shots on a goalie where those tells just equal a response from you without you even thinking exactly you know or someone's footwork you're like they're trying to pretend they're going to go one way but you can see which way their feet are going and you crush them you You know what's interesting so i'm back working with my sports psychologist with patrick alban and one of the things that we're working on um is journaling okay which i have a really hard time doing i think a lot of most people do yeah but Basically, and and this made so much sense, especially for my weightlifting days. Like, do you ever remember like having a training block in weightlifting where something clicked and just your lifts felt just extremely easier? Yeah. And it wasn't a strength. You know, it's not a strength thing. Like it was just one day you were like, oh, fuck, like I need to pull for like one millisecond longer. And the lift just felt so smooth and so powerful i had that remember that day i maxed out snatch the last day i maxed out snatch at peak 360 yeah that i hit like a 10 kilo snatch pr yeah, or something snatched like 90 kilos or something snatch 90 yeah man that was that was that day for me like i remember warming up i was just pulling for like an a, a millisecond longer and the pull for, felt so strong so connected and it just gave me more time to get under that i just kind of like kept hitting prs anyway but have you ever had the feeling of, okay, you think you got it, and then a few months later, you totally lose it? Uh, dude, that's the that's what weightlifting is. You know how many times I walked into the weightlifting gym over my Olympic weightlifting career, and I was like, I do something, I'm like, oh, I figured it out now. This is the thing. This like, is, this yeah, is yeah, the yeah, thing. yeah, I got it. And then the next session, you're like, oh, I think I, maybe I just felt good that session. <laughs> like, it was, there was yeah. no special thing. Yeah. That's like the famous, not last words, but just famous words of, I think, not just weightlifting, but most strength sports, where it's like... Dude, that know. happened There's to me. So many so, variables. That happened to me so much with uh, deadlift and powerlifting too. <laughs> yeah, I like I would go through blocks where Especially it's just fucking sumo. flying, and then I go through blocks where I legit forget where I used to put my feet. <laughs> what? Explain that to me. <laughs> Lifters amnesia, or what's that called? Is that like an actual phenomenon? Because that's bizarre. But yeah. it happens to a lot of people. Like you just forget how you used to do it and how it used to feel smooth to you. So anyway, the journaling is about 
like especially if you have a good session where for example for the sake of lifting like uh -huh. you just felt extremely connected to the bar or like you just felt like you could produce more force or like you found a position that was like comfortable for you and in boxing is like okay you found a combination or like something that you understood like how to throw a punch or like something whatever it's so important to obviously film yourself uh, often but also talk about how you felt during those uh those instances of like enlightenment yeah. in this sport because then if you ever, are ever in the position where like it just doesn't feel the same way you can go back and be like oh fuck like through this this block or this period of time I felt really good, you know, let me go back to, to see how it used to be. Like, what was I thinking about, you know, what were some of my internal cues or what was being told to me that like was felt helpful. And to me, that made a ton of sense. Like journaling for the sake of journaling about emotions just doesn't, to me, just, it doesn't make a difference because I don't, I don't care about my emotions. Like you can shut them off once you get into training. I just accept the emotions as they come in. Like sometimes I feel good, sometimes I feel bad, and that's not going to change how much effort I'm going to put into my session or or how I feel about myself or anything anything like that. I just they just come and go. So I don't even feel like it's it's necessary or worth my time to write about it, you know, because they don't mean anything to me. Right. So, but I think that's a little bit more objective and like practical to talk about. Okay, you know, this felt this way, or I learned this today, and this is how much better it felt compared to last session or whatever, you know? And then being mm. able to use that as a log to go back and be like, oh, okay. I, I like that even for cues because I've done the same thing a million times with a million different lifts where I'm like, this felt really good. I figured it out, right? I decided to turn my feet out an extra 10 degrees or whatever it is. And then you're right, you lose it. And you're like, you try to just do the foot thing. You're like, cool, I felt better when I did the foot thing, but like, what was I feeling? Mm -hmm. Did I feel like I was able to create more tension in my hamstrings before I pulled the bar off the ground? Yeah. Was I able to do like, what were the things that I should be looking for when I go back to yeah. that lift that made it feel good? Yeah. Uh, you know, and if you just watch the video and you just see your feet turned out, it's just such a small part of that whole. Yeah. That's equation. just, that's the external part, but there's an internal component that is so important. It's like, even like what muscles do you start tensing? Yeah. When you start the lift, like for me in, in deadlift, it was like that, you know, am I starting by pushing into the ground? Am I starting by bringing my chest back? Am I starting by squeezing my hands? Like, and they all lead to like different results or like different feelings of the movement. And mm. I, it, it sounds like overly detailed and overly specific, but honestly, like, especially the longer that you, that you, for lifting, especially the longer that you participate in a, in a strength sport, the more all of those details matter because, you know, you start running out of options to get stronger, right? Like yeah. you, you start running out of the ability to fucking produce as much force as possible through like neuromuscular contractions or through putting on muscle mass or through whatever. So you do start have to start looking at just details and technique mm -hmm. and, and trying to find different ways to make your movement more efficient and less, I guess, less energy taxing. Yeah, that... Uh that's why we, we all end up looking for the little tips and tricks and why those pages do so well, I think. But I remember John North saying something pretty funny a while back, like back when I used to listen to his podcast when he was one of the top weightlifters in the States. He was like, at this point in the game, like I hit so few PRs. It's like I keep track of everything. So like, if I if I check out at the grocery store in record time, I'm putting that down in my PR book. <laughs> <laughs> you know, That's like so it's funny. Yeah. 
but it's it's true like it's it's those little technique tweaks are are important and it's helpful to play around with them and also just to keep you motivated and learning and keeping track of all those PRs is also an important thing. We've talked about it before, but it's like, that's why I think that's why a lot of people like the conjugate system of lifting because, you know, quote unquote conjugate, because if you're doing a different thing every day and you're pushing it hard every day, instead of just having three maxes, squat, bench, and deadlift, you can now have a duffalo bar squat max, a cambered bar squat max, safety, safety to a box, you know, uh, regular squat with bands, high bar, low, like you have all the different variations. Mm-hmm. And that is like so motivating and important in a sport that's so like repetitive and boring if you're not making like tangible progress. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So when are you going back to powerlifting? <laughs> I don't know. You still have that 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 one goal. I do still have that one goal, man. But it seems so hard. <laughs> <laughs> it is, uh, and so painful. Oh yeah, that's my a thing, god! Eh? The amount of pain that I'm gonna have to endure. Um. Yeah. Fight sports less painful than powerlifting. Thoughts? Way less painful. Yeah. Okay. You're getting hit, but you only get really hit and hurt when you fight, which is only like two times a week, mm-hmm. a, a year. Two or three times a year. Whereas like in powerlifting, listen, listen to me, all you combat sports people. (laughs) You don't understand the amount of pain that we go through. Okay. That bar, that metal bar, it's sharp gnarling. The weight of gravity on your poor, fragile bones and body. Just destroying them. One day at a time. Along with your ego. And your self-esteem. <laughs> and your self-worth. It's true. Listen, there's been days where I go into the gym and 50% feels like 100%. And I'm like, well, I'm worthless. <laughs> I'm worthless. Everything I've done so far in my career was for nothing. And yeah. then I go, and then your mind starts going like, what am I even doing? <laughs> Why am I doing this? I come here, I do these three stupid lifts. Every stupid day, not getting any better, <laughs> wasting my fucking life. That's a thought process. Yeah, yeah. I'm never getting better. This is as strong as I'm going to be. Actually, I think I'm getting weaker by the second. My muscles are wasting away. I'm atrophying. I'm reversing back. Why am I even doing this? Yeah, that's the first month of any training cycle, pretty much. And then the rest of them, it, this, is what, this is what is demoralizing about powerlifting, okay? You, you go into uh, like a, bo- a fight, right, in boxing. Your abilities after that fight don't have to reset, right? When you go into a powerlifting competition, you're deloading for like two weeks prior. Mm-hmm. So you're actually getting in worse and worse shape as you get close to the meet just so you can specifically perform one rep. Worse and worse, let me clarify, human shape. Human overall shape. Yeah. To function. I like referring it as as human shape. Regular human shape. To function in in real life. Yeah. What we mean is literally like going up a flight of stairs, like a one flight of stairs. So exhausting. I'm out of breath. You're also so physically fatigued and pushed to like the limit of your recovery at that point. If you're doing it right, because you should be. You're in those situations where you just have to be careful about 
everything. Because you can go and you can squat 700 pounds in the gym and then you could be walking out to your car and you step on a banana peel. Yeah. And, and you're oops, hurt. I tore my hamstring yeah. because I'm so deconditioned in to regular human things. things, you know? Yeah. So it's like, that's not great. So then you perform, you max everything out. Your body is wrecked. Yeah, I legit got hurt one time dancing or something. It, oh, we've all had those stupid things, yeah. you know? We, uh, I, I, I freaking uh, pulled my, what's it called? The, the muscle that protracts, I'm having a brain fart. Uh, your shoulder? Serratus? Yes, that. Um, I pulled that reaching for like a set of keys. or so I can't remember what the thing was, but it was something so light. Just reaching. Like, oh. oh. Well, now I'm out for a week. But after. I need to so, go to the bathroom. All right, we'll, we'll wrap up in a sec. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but then after the meet, right, you take a week off, you know, or you don't. You just lift light and you just move around. But once you start training again. It's like you went back to ground zero, right? You're com- now you're comparing yourself to how you performed in the meet, what those maxes are. And 50% of that is feeling like hell for like the first month of training. So it's like not only do you have to start at, at ground zero, but a lot of that training block is now just building up close enough to what your condition was in at the last meet. So you can hopefully get a few more kilos on the bar in the next competition. It's yeah. like, it's not like in a lot of sports where you pick up where you left off and you continue to make progress. It's like getting back to where you were is the majority of the battle in every training block. Mm -hmm. That's so mentally fatiguing and emotionally exhausting. So it's like any, any sport has its, its own unique challenges. Like obviously fight sports. It's, it's it's the mental game of having to go in and fight an opponent and all the anxiety that comes with that. And with powerlifting, it's just like a slow burn. Mm-hmm. It's like a marathon of pain. <laughs> Painathon. <laughs> yeah. And all you do, you just suffer in hopes of that one. So you can live the rest of your life as a champion. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then you Nick, you wouldn't know that quote. It's too old for you. Suffer now so you can live the rest of your life as a champion. Muhammad Ali. Is it? I just made that up, but it could be. Check it. Let's hey, see. Siri. Ugh. Hey, Siri. <laughs> Yo, this never works. Hey, Siri. Who said suffer now so you can live the rest of your life as a champion? Muhammad Ali. Really? Wow. It's the first time I got something like that right. Hey, Honestly. Don't um, quit. Suffer now and live the rest of your life as a champion. I hated every minute of training. Yeah. That's cool. Um, I think that's a good spot to wrap. But I did want to say a note. As um, the questions continue to come in about the hybrid showdown, uh, you, for some reason, accidentally said that it was going to be December (laughs) when we had only narrowed it down to the winter uh, at that point. It's looking now like we're going to be having it in January because everyone that I've spoken to, uh, you know, who competes at the high level is, for, for some reason, requesting it be in January. So... I think we're narrowing it down on that time frame. Uh, again, if you're not up to date on the hybrid showdown, this is the first year that we're going to put up 60 grand of our own money um, towards the cash prizes for the meet. So far, we've determined that the starting winnings uh, just out of the 60 grand that we're going to put up for male uh, and female, first place is going to be 20 grand. Um, and we're going to release some more information on the 
uh, 20 grand each. We're going to release some more information on the, the rest of the prizes after that. As sponsors continue to come in, we'll add to that prize uh, purse as well. So definitely stay tuned on that. Um, if I think the meet is also going to be sleeves only, uh, and we're thinking uh, likely it'll be USPA. Mm-hmm. So those are some more details that we hadn't uh, divulged yet, and we'll continue to come out with more information as we know more. We're in the process of getting a dope venue right now, uh, and yeah, we'll keep you guys all updated on that. As always, don't forget to screenshot this episode when you're listening to it, post it in your social media, tag me, tag Steffi, tag Hybrid Unlimited, and you'll automatically be entered into a contest to potentially win uh, a drop from Hybrid Legacy Brand, which is our official clothing line. Um, And we choose a winner every single month, so uh, it's a very easy way to get entered into that draw. Um, I think that's everything. You got anything to say? Um, uh, make sure that you buy tickets to my fight pay-per-view. Oh, yeah. It's September 18th. You can buy them at coresportsworld.com. Uh, pay-per-view, I believe, is $9.99 now. It's an early bird thing? No, the early bird was gone. It, it was $4.99. Oh, $9.99. Wow. That's such a great price. Yeah, $9.99 is not bad. Yeah. So it's the uh, Thor versus Eddie Hall card. It's September 18th. Uh, or if you want to go watch it live, you can. It's in Jacksonville. Florida at the Vice Star Arena. If you do end up buying tickets online, make sure that you use the code STEFI in all caps to get 10% off. Awesome. Thanks for listening. Thank you.